everybody, Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development, and as part of our veteran stories, we've got Dr. Paul with us today. Hi, Dr. Paul. Hey, how you doing, Dr. Craig? How are you tonight? Fantastic, and I'm really, really thankful that you've um, given some of your time to be able to share your thoughts on what you're doing as an active service military person. Why don't you tell us about um, how you came to be in the military? Yeah, sure. So for for me, it was um, I always had an inkling to to do something in the military when I was going through my teenage years, high school. I uh, went to college first, and um, did my undergrad first, and then I went to grad school. And I still I thought about it, but then I went to grad school. But anyway, it was nine eleven for me that really was the catalyst. Um, you know, of course, that day we all remember. Now, if we were of age or whatever, and it really had such an impact on me, Craig, I just, I, at that point, I was just like, I have to, I have to find something to do because I just, I couldn't go on without um, finally, you know, making that commitment. And um, so, yeah, that was, that's what it was for me. Wow. And so you enlisted into the army? I did. Yeah, I did. Um, I was in grad school at the time and I actually did a two-year um, ROTC commissioning program is you're probably familiar with it right well, okay one of the one of the commissioning sources and I was um doing my grad was graduate work I actually was finishing up my master's degree and I um I wanted I didn't know I had no plans to do a doctorate degree at that time no plans and then I um I got a two-year scholarship from the ROTC uh, through the army so I had to figure something out I was like um they were like oh well you could do another master's and anyway, as I say, long story short, I was like, yeah, why do I want to do an master's? So I rolled into a, a doctorate program and started going towards that while I was finishing, while I was also doing my um, ROTC training. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, I mean, we could talk about what happened then, but I could, you know, in the active duty army and the deployments. And then I came back to finish my PhD. And <laughs> I'd love for you to share some of the, some of the experiences that you had in the deployments where you went and some of the impacts that they had on you. Yes. Um, so I did three deployments total. All of them were in Iraq. Um, two of them happened pretty much almost back to back. And it's, it happened within the first four years of my Army career. I went to um, I went from Florida from grad school to to uh, Fort Hood, Texas, and was assigned to one of the major Army um, force comm units, which, you know, forces command. I mean, the, these are the warfighter units. And um, I mean, a lot of anybody listening to this you know, heard of the first cavalry division, but anyway, well, they were in Iraq already. So I, <clears throat> I came from my officer basic course and then I went over for four months to Iraq just to finish out the tour with that unit, came back to the States and we kind of knew we were going again. This was in the early days, right? I mean, Iraq war happened, started in 2003 and I was there for my first time in 2004 came back to the States and we knew we were going again. We just knew it was part of, it was part of what every unit was doing. They were just rotating out, coming back home, you know, resetting, retraining. So about a year and a half of being in the States, we kind of refitted, retrained, and then went right back over. And this time it was much longer. It ended up being 14 months for me. So I, wow. spent, I, yeah, I spent there. Um, yeah. So uh, November, 2006 to January, 2008. And then um, anyway, then I was uh, kind of just what I do is I did other assignments in the army. I went back. Oh, I actually went back to finish my PhD and um, went in the army reserves for two and a half years because that, that my doctorate degree allowed me to come into a, a, a very kind of unique specialization within the army. 
um, biochemist physiologist. And that's kind of what I did. I was an exercise physiologist major all mm. throughout bachelor's, master's, PhD, kinesiology and exercise science. So I had to get that doctorate degree to, be, um, to get into this specialization which then I now I have been in now since 2011. So essentially the last 11 years of my army career, I've been doing this specialization and various um, various assignments. So well, that was my first two uh, tours in Iraq. And my last one came um, about, oh gosh, we're going almost on five years now, um, 2016, like four months. It was only four months. So it was like uh, fall 2016, and I got back in early 2017, and that one was with when I was with an, an intelligence agency, did a, an assignment there. So we went, it was in northern Iraq on that one. So, yeah, all three in Iraq, Craig, is, um, got to know that country pretty well. Wow. Yeah. And from those deployments, what are some of the challenges that you saw that, you know, you and your colleagues um, had, to, had to really battle through to do your jobs each day? Well... I would, of course, I mean, the, the, the obvious one is, um, you know, get, getting, getting shot at, getting killed. Right. Uh, and, and I mean, I, I mean, now I look back at that, you know, I, I, I could laugh, but at the time it was a serious threat. I mean, at the time I remember just all we, all we got trained on and talked about before we went over there is like IEDs. You have to, I mean, you remember those days and, and they were a serious threat. Uh, unfortunately, had a huge, um, severe impact on a lot of our, you know, men and women. Um, and then uh, that's all you heard about. So it was, you know, I, I, I mean, I didn't go out in the road a whole lot, uh, but, you know, it's just one of those things you had to avoid. So that was like a stressor, of course, was that. And then also just knowing like you could get attacked at any time. So that are the obvious ones. Then the other ones that are you deal with every day is, I mean, you got your job. I mean, when you're in, when you're in a deployed environment, you're just essentially working. That's it. I mean, twelve hours on, twelve hours off. You know, that's it. Seven days a week. So sometimes you deal with a little bit, like I guess you want to call it, um, uh, I don't know, a little bit burnt, burned out. You're burned out. You're a little bit stressed, a little bit. So that's yeah. some that's some things that we dealt with, and soldiers, fellow soldiers of mine dealt with and then of course it was um missing the home front missing your family missing your friends back yeah. home and you know just dealing dealing with that and then of course um an added stressor was when there's and you know there's various things that could happen um but when there's a stressor back home and you're over across you know across the atlantic ocean there's only so much you can do and that kind of could you know you're not you're not there so there there's some of the things that that we dealt with and over this 18 years that you've had in the military so far, you've developed quite a significant work with mindset. And I wondered if that was as a result of some of the things that you had seen and experienced and wanted to grow in yourself. And now, now you're growing in other people as well. Yeah. You said mindset, right? Mindset, yeah. 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 So definitely. I mean, yeah, so many. I mean, I think it, our experiences are our, our best thing that really kind of toughen us up and shape us who we are right um and then of course i i believe that i mean mindset is huge and, and it's you know if you could you know challenge yourself and you know overcome some of the things when things get tough and just mentally put yourself there and just fire through it like go through it and build up build up that resiliency so to speak 
I mean, it just does wonders for you. I mean, in all, all facets of your life, you could enhance, you know, all different facets. Because when you kind of went through that conditioning and that toughening, mm-hmm. where, you've been, where you've been through it, and then it's like, okay, now you go to the next challenge and you're, you're like, oh, this is easy compared to what I've been through, that kind of thing, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm so grateful for the experiences I've had. They taught me so much. Tell us about the work that you're doing and you're establishing, your, seems to be like your own practice uh, as Dr. Paul. And this is, this is part of your preparation to transition into civilian life. And I know that other people who are active service personnel must be thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do when I get out of the civilian world? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question for, and so many people um, ponder that and they don't really know. Um, for me, I, mean, I know exactly what I want to do and I'm, I'm starting that process now. I, I have about four more, four and a half more years in, in active duty service and then I can retire from the army. Uh, but I'm also, I'm building what I want to do right now. I'm building, I'm working towards that. And uh, I mean, I recommend anybody listening to this, do the same thing, find your passion or whatever it is and just start. I mean, it does, you cannot, there's no early, you can't start too early. You start working towards that dream, that goal, whatever it is you want to have. Maybe you need another degree or, or a graduate level degree, whatever it is. My advice is to start working towards it. Because for me, I love working with people. I mean, I love health and fitness my whole entire life. You know, health, fitness, nutrition, everything that comprises all that. Uh, I've been in it my whole life. I mean, I, I started when I was like, you know, 12 years old and just kind of worked up from there. Now I'm, now I'm 47. I still love it. But what I really want to do is really help people um, really change so they could be live a quality life and be very effective at what they do. And I particularly like, you know, working with dads right now because, you know, of course, I'm, I'm a dad and I understand that role. But I think, you know, showing up as a very, you know, a dad in your heart, your work for your family. And, you know, it's a leadership role in that. And, and I've had so much leadership experience. So I just like to help that type of person. And so working with dads, and I know that you're also working and enjoy working with executive leaders and helping them get into their best best shape possible, I would imagine, sure. physically and mentally. What are some things that you would encourage leaders to do to get themselves into their best shape? What are some of those things you work on? So to get them get into shape, there's well, first of all, of course, you have to get the structure and, and um, habits and systems in place, and and just I guess a part of that too is really knowing how, know, knowing what to do, because in, there's so much out there, and this I see this a lot with people. They're they're confused and they're frustrated with uh, trying different things and programs through the years, diets or whatever, and just you know having a little bit of success, but then it comes back, the old habits come back, and they continue on their their old ways and they get and a lot of, a lot of us you know i mean we as life goes on through our 30s and our 40s we get families we get jobs we get busy we have kids mm-hmm. you know and, and people all of a sudden they wake up and they're like oh my gosh not only do they not not like the way they look but they also their confidence has gone down because of this and and then also there might be a health scare in some sort you know, and I, I mean, you name it, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with some people with type 2 diabetes to how, you know, overweight, uh, cholesterol, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, whatever it is. There's some type of health scare that too, that could like all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I have to change or the doctor told them that. 
So what we do is, um, I mean, as, as long as you're very efficient in knowing exactly how to implement the, the right type and amount of exercise, because that's, that's like the metabolic catalyst, and then knowing exactly how to utilize nutrition, food to make it work for you to control your hormones, and also teach your body how to, you know, recover well, and then also how to utilize fat. And then you do this through carb selection. So there's just like a couple of things where I teach, but the point is, once you create these habits and that structure, everybody I've worked with that implemented it, you know, feel start feeling better first, and then the weight starts getting coming off, and then they start they feel stronger, and they, the, you know, the they're all they're in the size clothes are dropping, all that stuff. So it's just about creating that, knowing you gotta know how to do it first, knowing exactly what the right plan, but then applied knowledge. Then right, that's that's the second part. Yeah. And you said that you were. Did you say you're 47? I am. Yeah. 47. 47. And so for people, no at your stage, I'm 50. We both look like we're in our 30s, but look yeah. deceiving. Yeah. 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 You look great, man. Thank you so much. Keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> you, you still, life. you still got hair, man. So you're doing way better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, my life. You know, for people who are at our stage of life, um, maybe people particularly who are in, coming towards the end of their military career, or maybe they're thinking, you know, do I need to change careers right now? I'm at this midlife point. What are some key points that guys like us need to pay attention to? Mm. Well, we're just talking about what's the next step for us, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Mm. What are some keys? So, well, first of all, you got to take us take stock in the, where you're at right now in life. And, you know, I mean, of course, I'm coming from a health and fitness perspective, but it is crucial. I mean, first, the first stock is, um, you know, if you have a family, okay, are you support, can you support them and then do the necessary things that put yourself in that place? Um, like I mentioned, um, you know, whether it be whatever you need to do to get yourself to your next goal in your career or if you're starting a business. But throughout all of that, if you if you don't have that health and fitness, like that's like your foundation. I, I, love, mm. I, I mean, it really is. I mean, if you don't have that in place, somewhere along the line, something's going to kind of like get tweaked in the wrong way. And it's going to, you know, you're going to go off the rails a little bit. And it could happen earlier or later. I've, I've seen it happen in younger people unfortunately i mean younger like late 30s early 40s that people are just going down a, a really bad bad road and here's the thing your quality of life at that time could be so much better and it could be actually be affecting your job performance and it, mm. could, it could be keeping you for doing your best at your career or your business or whatever because i mean if you're not firing on all cylinders physically or mentally, or at least doing the best that you can be your potential, then you're missing it. So having that foundation of health and fitness first, I think it not only does it help you in all other areas of other areas of your life, but we're like going back earlier, like it, it creates that mindset and that that discipline within yourself. Because if you're if you're dedicated and disciplined enough to kind of like get up in the morning go to the gym before your day or whatever it is, whatever, you know, whatever you train, you're still getting that discipline in You're you're disciplined into your nutrition and, you know, you're taking care of yourself. So that carries over. It carries over into other facets of your life. 
got an advantage about three things. So I'm up at four. I'm oh. half of the 50-year-old guys. I'm up at four and I go to the gym and then have been dabbling with intermittent fasting. So I eat later in the day. So I might okay. eat uh, early afternoon till the early evening and have a feeding window. And keto worked really well with me when we were living in Indonesia. It suited my my metabolism, my system. It worked well. What do you think about the best time in the day to go to the gym? What do you think about intermittent fasting? What do you think about keto? Yeah, yeah, all, all good questions, all, all loaded questions. <laughs> no, um, so the time at the gym, I think, is great. Uh, I, I personally, <laughs> I've trained on a lot of different times of the day throughout my life. Um, whether I mean, I, right now I'm an early morning person like you. I don't get I don't get to the gym till about six because I'm commuting into Boston right now for my fellowship through the army, and um, but I mean. I mean, 5 a.m. or 4.30 a.m., whatever you train, that that's great. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that time of the day because unless it affects you in some way. And what I mean by that is like, okay, if you're training in the gym at 9 p.m. or 9 or 10 p.m. and your bedtime's 10.30, you might, that might be a problem, right? Because it's kind of messing with your sleep. But I've trained, when, I mean, when I was deployed, I trained at 2 a.m. because I actually worked night shift. And I was up all night and I trained at 2 a.m. I trained at, you know, 5 a.m. or, well, 5.30, 5.30 is probably early, 6. I trained at 11 a.m. when I worked a job one time where I was at a fitness center working. I was trained after work at, four, you know, 5 p.m. already. So it doesn't matter. I, I would say it's it's when, of course, it's when you can fit it in. The busier your life is and you have family like myself with three little kids right now running around, you got to fit it in whenever that block of time you have. And I don't know what it, it could be three in the morning sometimes, right? Who, who knows? But as long as you as that works for you and you feel good and you could actually get a good workout and time of day doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. Irrelevant. Okay, going to the other two: intermittent fasting and keto. Two very hot topics, hot diets that some people like them, some people don't, um, depending on who you talk to. And we uh, so. Of course, one of them, I actually did some, I just wrote some articles on both of these here recently. And from, from what we know from a, from evidence-based research, intermittent fasting, it's like, again, I have no, whatever you like to do, if it works for you, that's great. That's the number one thing is if you could follow something that you like and it's getting you results and it's sustainable, mm-hmm. then, then that's awesome, right? Then the problem comes in when these things aren't sustainable because then people go back into their old ways and they don't they don't maintain the results. So intermittent yeah. fasting, what we know from from evidence, um, the research is that essentially there's no difference between intermittent fasting and a a controlled caloric intake that is also in a caloric deficit. So what I mean by that, so usually on intermittent fasting, you're in a caloric deficit meaning that you're burning more calories than you're taking in on a certain day, right? And now, yeah. there, so there's no, there's absolutely no difference in weight loss or fat loss from what I remember in the research. That compared to a diet where you're maybe eating five or six times a day and it's still in the same caloric deficit. So right. if, you took, if you took calorie per calorie in both plans, now there's no difference. Now there's, I don't think the research has shown yet, but one thing too with the with the times when you're eating more protein 
it could be better for protein synthesis and regeneration of muscle because you're getting that in on a like maybe a little bit more consistent basis. And now mm -hmm. this, is, this is like I don't know if the research is there yet or if they have they looked if they looked at that area, but there is you know that's kind of like some speculation. But yeah, there's I, I said it, I come coming again if intermittent fasting works for you and you you have super busy mornings you just don't don't eat you're not a breakfast person, whatever it is, I mean that's fine you know it's totally fine. Um, okay, going to keto. So again, keto. I, I've talked to some, I've talked to a lot more people. I'm just putting out there because it's from, from my experience, a lot more people that did not like keto than, than I've heard than people that do. Now, of course, keto is a very, very low, if you do it the right way, it's a very extremely low carbohydrates, um, extremely low. Uh, and then it's more fat because you're going, you're getting your body into a state of ketosis. Mm. Um, and um, so again, from what the research says on this one is, I mean, any diet you're on, first of all, if, you're, if your aim is to lose weight, if you're taking in more calories and then you're burning, you're not gonna lose weight. Whether it's it's high fat from keto, whether it's high carb from whatever, well, you know, whether it's high protein from whatever too, you know I mean? Any, any macronutrient, protein, fat, carbs, it doesn't matter. If it's more calories than you're burning, you're, gonna, you're not gonna be able to lose weight. Now, some of the difference here in these macronutrients, how they play a role is in body composition, especially when you're doing a, some weight training, some mm. pro progressive resistance training with the weights, trying to build strength and muscle tissue, which is I highly recommend, by the way, to anybody out there for long-term success. Um, then you got to look at, okay, how do carbs affect muscle? I mean, how do how does that, do carbs really give you a better workout and then is then kind of utilizing fat as a fuel source. And that's where the difference where some of the research is showing that the keto may may not be as good as if your if your goal is like performance and kind of maximizing body composition and muscle, then keto might not be the best because it's it's lacking so much carbohydrate. And we we just know biochemically our muscles fuel source is glucose and stored carbohydrate which is glycogen okay so that's number one that's what it uses primary uh, you know the best for high intensity training so i mean that's what i got I mean, that's just from what we know from evidence and the research on it craig and again people like i have a methodology what i what i believe in and i teach people but you know if somebody like i said somebody's is liking intermittent fasting or keto and they're getting the results then and then that's good. That's great. Yeah. So I hope that hope that answered. Hope that cleared up or answered your question. Yeah, it's good. It's good. And I, I hope you don't mind. I got a free consultation there. I didn't intend to do that. It wasn't scripted. But yeah, thank you. Yeah, sure. You bet. You bet. Uh, and, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and for everybody else who's watching the recording for our students and for veterans, active service personnel, uh, the link to Dr. Paul's LinkedIn profile is in the show notes, and that'll be on LinkedIn. It's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, it's on Twitch, it's on Twitter. It's everywhere that we can post this recording. So make sure you check the show notes. Dr. Paul, is there another way that people can get hold of you if they want to engage with you um, privately with Dr. Paul? Yeah, sure. So my, my website is uh, just uh, www, of course, drpaulhenningcoaching.com. Um, 
so on there you could just re you could reach right out on me on there like chat with me or there's um because you, i just there's a kind of a layout too of my methodology etc so another easy way i'm on other social media platforms too facebook and instagram but you know linkedin uh, of course well, look, I really want to thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing some of your experiences and your service so far. Yeah, and yes. Thank you for sharing your learning as well and the things that you're preparing to do and civilian life when you leave the service. So thank you very much for what you're doing and giving us your time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Craig. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Just, if you wouldn't mind just waiting just a moment, I'm just going to wrap up. I'd love to have a chat with you just after, just after I close off the show. Yeah. And for yeah. those of you watching the recording, um, if you are active service personnel or you are a veteran, UARDL University is approved by the Veterans Association or Veterans Affairs uh, for the GI Bill and the 911 Bill to pay for your schooling. And so if you want you or your family members want to reach out to us and gain the academic degree that you desire, reach out and do that for us. And we look forward to seeing you again on another Veterans Stories.